You're listening to a Sin podcast. You can listen to this show live by tuning your radio to 90.7 or online at sin.org.au. We at Represent would like to acknowledge and pay our respects to the traditional owners of the land on which Sin operates, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Sin Media respectfully acknowledges their ancestors and elders, past, present and emerging. We would also like to acknowledge the traditional custodians and their ancestors of the lands and waters across Australia where our content reaches. Sovereignty has never been ceded. It always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Kids should go to school. That's what we're committed to. I haven't flip-flopped. I said no originally, then I said yes, then I have said no and I've stuck to it. I didn't need to do this. I've already done a lot of war for the election. The English fought a civil war over this this matter. Don't deal with the nuance of the Canberra bubble. I don't know what to do with it. We have so much money. What we want is more learning in schools and less activism in schools. Issues that perhaps may be controversial today, but 30 years from now, your children, your grandchildren are going to be thankful that you stood up for what it was right. Represent. 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 You're listening to Represent. You are listening to Represent. We've got a bumper episode today. Oh, my Everyone God. It's crazy. Everyone in the Speak. Hey. <laughs> oh, my God. We've got everybody here. We've got everybody. We've got Mimi. Hello. George. Hello, hello. Freddie. What's going on? Naya. And me. Um, and we've got a two-hour show. It's jam-packed full of news and politics from the week. So thank God we have five people here to yeah. discuss yeah. all of it, I think. We're doing pretty well there. Um, we had a pretty exciting event. Oh, not really event. Um, you know, something happened in the represent little mini world. Of, you know, I thought you were just going to leave it at something happened. It's like, yeah, we have a lot of things that happened written down no, here. that's not a helpful comment. So on Tuesday, uh, if you were listening, like some of our loyal listeners, um, you would have heard me kind of laugh and get very sidetracked because someone called me that I wasn't expecting. Well, it turns out the call was Dr. Matt Bark, um, friend of the show, Who's <laughs> who wanted to speak in Parliament and wanted you know to check that it was okay to ask the government to give Sin more funding um, because of course we're in a six-week campaign to save Sin. Well, I think it's four weeks now, or well, is it three we're weeks? Partway through, we're, we're partway man. through the campaign. Nitpicking. Alert. I'm sorry. <laughs> Checking the dates. Yeah. Um, anyway, so Matt Bark rang and said this, and I was like, okay, slay. Um, and then he sent us a video, which is on our Twitter, at SinRepresent, of him speaking in Parliament. So Sin has made it into the Hansard. Um, yeah. Because he was like, you guys should fund Sin more. Let's go. So, thanks, Matt. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> what a pool. I mean, he's I been know. on the show a enough to know the, the ins and outs of Sin, so yeah, it makes sense. So, this, yeah. this almost makes up for him not giving us the scoop of his resignation, considering <laughs> he resigned rest. the week after he was on our show. Yeah, it was really rude. Yeah, that was a bit, that was a bit mean, but we forgive you now. But Matt, he is thank coming, you. In on, uh, coming on on Tuesday. Prepare so, to great. be grilled for that. Why didn't you tell us? <laughs> we already, I hope he's listening. We already mentioned that when we were on the phone with him. We did. So. We're never letting him forget that. No. It's that, fine. That friends of the show title goes a long way. You can't, yeah. you can't bring it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
So everyone has prepared a segment for us today, but first I think we should talk about how our weeks have been. That's so true. Oh, our week, not our weekend. Well, it's Friday. We can we can end the show with what everyone's doing no, no, on the we weekend. Can't, we've got Tuesday where we have to talk about what we did on the weekend. Well, no, but then we can talk on Tuesday about, about did you stick to your plans on the weekend? Oh my! Yeah. I really thought this out. <laughs> yeah, I've 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 got it. Okay. Well, what are you doing on what? How was your week then? My week. So we're doing just weeks now and weekends at the end. Okay, okay, yeah, no. Week was fine. I'm just grinding out my final uni assignments, so it's not fun. And I've got one left. One left. One left. Probably going to get an extension for it, but it's due on Sunday, and I haven't oh. quite started, so it's okay. fine. <laughs> we're doing fine. We're doing fine. Slay. But yeah, I'm How trying to forget about it. It was good. How close home? We're closer. <laughs> <laughs> Microphone logistics. Um, it was good. Same, same uni assignments. Hoping that they get done. I've got one Sunday, three Monday. Three due on two, Monday? Two. What? It's like two Mon... Yeah, lot. maybe it's two Monday, but it's three articles for one assignment and one for another. Oh, okay. Craziness, but working on it. <laughs> Getting there. Mimi? Well, I'm not missing that at all. Um, <laughs> I've just been slogging it away at Woolworths. Going to be a supervisor, so watch oh, out. exciting. And applying for jobs, somebody hire me. <laughs> <laughs> and George? Uh, yeah, just echoing the theme of uni assignments and got a 4,000 word on the oh, theories wow. of international relations, so <laughs> got that to look All forward to. All of the theories. Oh, my favourite theories. What, theory? <laughs> what, are favorite? What, are your, what are your top five international relations <laughs> theories? Um, <laughs> number five. It's like a Watch Mojo episode. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I guess. Uh, What's that uh, I would just say be basic and say liberalism is my favorite theory. So, interesting. What, what is that? Uh, <laughs> just like you know, everyone should love each other. Let's live in peace. Oh yeah, that's idealism. Nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, no, maybe not. 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 <laughs> what about realism? No, I'm, I'm not a realist kind of guy. Uh, yeah. mm. No, me neither. Yeah. Well, I'll ask you, Bridie. Yeah. What have you been doing this week? Uh, well, it's been my last week of uni, so it's been pretty busy. I've got one assignment due tonight, which um, it's it's going. It's not done, <laughs> but it is. Have you happening. at least started? Uh, yeah, I've started. That's good. It's really hard, though. Is it a mu- like? Is it it's, music theory? Yeah, it's music theory. I have to analyze this piece, but it's like a really stuffed up piece. <laughs> when you analyze a piece, are you like finding its meaning? No, I'm like writing what chords is in it, and then I'm like looking at motif. I'll turn the but, computer but isn't around. The co- so isn't it already see. written down what chords it is? Because isn't that no. the whole point of sheet music? Well, yeah, but I have to identify like if it's you know. Uh, chord in second inversion, or it's like a modulation. Well, it's not an exam, but um, we do also have an exam in a couple of weeks. Ooh, so. rough. Theory, I could never. I never. Oh, I have. I have a fun story. Okay, okay go. I'll be quick. Go. It rhymes. <laughs> um, We've got two hours. Yeah, we have so much time. <laughs> I used to play the flute, and I actually got up and I did the AME B exams, mm. but I only got up to the last exam you could do about doing the theory. Oh, because nice. I was so against it's the worst. doing the theory. It so I think the I got up to level five. I think I completed level yeah. five. I don't think you can do six and seven without doing the first year theory. Yeah, I think that's right. And I was like, nah, not doing it. Slay. So, so just noped out at the theory? Noped out at the theory. I that's used to be fair. able to just play by listening. I was oh, you play <laughs> by ear. Yeah, I used there to get my go. teacher to play the song to me. And then so, you could just play and it. And then I would just try to play it back. Oh, that's Because I couldn't high. really... I mean, like, I could read music, but not like... Like, I couldn't tell you probably what those notes <laughs> are. <really. laughs> Not anymore, <laughs> but, you know, that was, like, four, yeah. how many years ago? More yeah, than four, probably. I was more of an ear player. 
Yeah. It's very artistic, maybe. I know. Yeah. Natural <laughs> <laughs> well, shall we go to a song before we do our first segment? Absolutely. What are we listening to? Uh, Can we get Willow by Taylor Swift spinning this week or <laughs> I mean today? Um, let's I'll have a look. Um give me one moment. Scrolling. There's like nine thousand songs on here, so it is actually a bit of an ordeal to scroll down to the T's. I mean, how many songs does Spotify have? Like 50 million songs? Well, where, where, Ka- where? Kinda We're ro- not on Spotify. Kind of rookie numbers for Sin, I'm not going to lie. Maybe we can well, use that Save Sin money. Maybe if we had some more funding, we then can we could get more songs. Boost our CD collection. <laughs> Bridie's trolling through okay. the CDs right now. I mean, we'll see if it works. Um, we'll, see, we'll see if it works. There's only one way to find out. That's promising. You're listening to Represent. We've got heaps and heaps and heaps of stuff coming up, so stay tuned to Sin. We're sending out an SOS to keep Sin alive. Save our station. Keep Sin a place where young people run the show. Donate to givenow.com.au forward slash save sin. That's givenow.com.au forward slash S-A-V-E-S-Y-N. Welcome back to Represent. Uh, You are back for our blockbuster show <laughs> that was gonna... not willow and that was yeah, not by taylor willow. swift uh, that was thornbird uh was it thornbird i think it was bullets and heartache by thornbird i still really am not sure Sweet. which one is the artist yeah and which one is the song. i spent all year last year trying <laughs> yeah. to figure that out <laughs> <I know. laughs> you get one song you know and then you'd be like okay right i'm gonna remember that yeah that, that, that's the artist Maybe we'll have to start shazamming our songs during the breaks. And That's actually quite a good idea. Fi- figuring it out. But um, yeah, who knows? Yeah, well, we're going to talk domestic politics first, and then we're going to go international. So we're going to talk federal domestic politics first. Yes. Exciting. Okay. So I thought I'd do like a little post-referendum domestic politics rundown, um, and I'm going to focus on Albanese, Dutton, and Jacinta Price, because they've had a lot to say this week. I mean, um, they have a lot to say all the time. Yes, but, like, but especially. specifically this week. Um, and then, so I thought mine's going to be a bit more broad, like surface level, you guys can do the deep dives. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, it's, it's like, I'll give you the prompts, you can do the rest of the work. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. So I'm going to start off with our PM, Albanese. Um, so in terms of what has happened since the referendum, he is observing a week of silence, which was called for by Indigenous leaders who were campaigning for the yes vote for Voice Department. They have said now is not the time to dissect the reasons for Saturday's outcome. And it also gives time for Indigenous leaders and community to regather their strength in what would have been probably quite a few exhausting weeks. So I think what the thing on everyone's mind is, is once this week of silence is finished, how will Albanese deliver the Uluru Statement in full, given the rejection of the voice? Um, The other commitments of the statement are treaty and truth-telling. And Albanese, as I said, he's waiting on guidance from the Indigenous leaders. So uh, we'll put the work onto you guys. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys think would be the best way forward? Or what do you think Albanese thinks the best way forward is? You can make it personal, you can make it more, you mm. know, what, what you, more of a prediction. Um, well, it says here that he's seeking guidance from Indigenous leaders about what to do next. I think that's obviously the correct first but, but step. But what do you think that'll be? 
Well, ask the Indigenous leaders. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not, a, I'm, not, I'm not Indigenous nor am I a leader, so I don't know. But um, I think that's place, definitely the right step forward instead of just mm-hmm. going, oh, uh, yeah, no one said... Steamrolling yeah, instead of just moving on to something else mm-hmm. and just going, oh, the referendum didn't work. Oh, well, m- move on to the next thing that I might be more successful in. So I think it's good to see him committing a bit more to the uh, Uluru Statement. Mm. And I think seeking that guidance will be a really great first step. Uh, and it's nice to see him not just sort of call it quits on everything. Yeah, so, we'd hope not. <laughs> well, you'd hope not. Um, so that's a good first step. And I'm quite happy to read that that's what's happening with him. Mm. Yeah, well, I think it'll be something to do with probably treaties because I feel like obviously you want to take some action. The voice failed. Something needs to change. And I think that you, he could potentially position himself as like, oh, the voice failed because people would rather have a treaty, so that's what we're going to do. You know, I feel like that could be a way yeah. to sort of spin it. And that was which sort might of, not be appropriate, but uh, I think it's possible that and it's a an big, outcome. Yeah, a big reason for the no vote as well was because people thought treaty should come before voice. Mm, so I think he's sort of appealing to those people and he might have greater success there, which I, would be good. Yeah, I'd say that to an extent, but um, I think in his... In the press conference-ish thing that he did right <laughs> after the, the vote, he he blatantly blamed it on the um, lack of bipartisan support, from mm. which was quite interesting to see. Um, yeah, it was a very short answer, so I can't imagine uh, anything of the sort in the future going ahead without that kind of bipartisan support as well. So, Definitely. Yeah. Do you think... I mean, it's possible that there'll be a truth-telling process, you know, the, mm. um, the statement from the heart, once a Maricada commission... But do you think that will happen? Like, is Australia ready for truth-telling? I don't know. <laughs> that was the worst answer. I, well, that, we're going to go to another song yeah. now, <laughs> after that expert like... commentary. I just think any kind of Indigenous issue um, of any sort is just going to be seen as divisive in the future, regardless of whatever, you know is implemented or whatever the wording is it's just going to be another runaround of um you know one side claiming it's divisive and another side claiming you know everything's divisive and you know yeah where do you go with it Mm. yeah Yeah. i mean i think obviously truth telling would be really confronting and Mm. so that would be probably seen as i think it would end up with some people being like i like we need to embrace this and other people becoming really defensive and probably a bit more radicalized yeah yeah. i wonder if we'd see more movement across the board in reconciliation if that came first because if people are confronted with that before they're asked things like do you want a voice to parliament I feel like they have more reference to make up their own mind. I think it's an, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I, Is reconciliation dead, Marsha Langton? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that that's like, yeah, I like that point. But I also think that it's such, for some people who um, f- would find it confronting, it would be very hard to digest. Mm, definitely. So. And I think it's consul- like the referendum has almost consolidated a base of. I don't want to say, like, anti-Indigenous or reconciliation, but, you know, a base against, you know, progressing reconciliation amongst, um, mm. yeah, the Indigenous communities. Yeah, so. I feel like it really galvanised mm. a group of a, a base that being quieter. Yeah, that was happened. kind of hidden before, yeah. and, you know, it's only really it been brought like to light. Yeah, yeah, it's been normalised. And then the Liberal Party and yeah, the yeah. platformed them and made it legitimate. 
and you know having 60% or whatnot of the mm. population is a pretty strong argument to have on your side yeah. for any future and of course we'll discussions. never know whether you know how much of that was the pro- quote unquote progressive no mm. versus the other no. Mm, that would be interesting, actually. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, that statistics. was the whole thing, right? There was yeah, only exactly. one no. <laughs> Maybe they should have had a scale instead of a yes or <laughs> <Yeah>. no. Yes. <laughs> on a scale, <laughs> on a scale of one to ten. <laughs> How many smiley faces do you have? <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well, I've also been privy to Albanese's schedule, um, and so I also know that he is going to be going to the US next week, um, and so I thought, um, in terms of the Israel-Gaza conflict, that this would Whoa, be... don't spoil my segment. Oh, <laughs> no. This would be quite interesting, because I think leading up to that visit, he's, he's going to be quite like considered with his opinions. Well, um, I mean, that's definitely a conflict where you have to be super... Very considered, super usually. But, oh, absolutely. Um, and so Biden, he has, following the assessment from his National Security Council, he has said that Israel is not responsible for the explosion at the hospital in Gaza, saying the rocket was fired, fired by a terrorist group. Um, so that I think, will be further investigated yes, in my Yes, Bridie's going to go further. <laughs> um, I've done a deep dive, like you said. She has. Um, I just thought it would be interesting how that's going to play out with him going to the US. Mm. Um, and it will be really interesting. Yeah. Especially considering Ed Husick and um, Anna Lee, who are both um, Labor MPs, have come out this week um, and saying that Palestinians are being collectively punished for Hamas's mm. actions. So, you know, which is a very strong stance to take and it's much stronger than the party line um so i think that'll be really interesting how he kind of reacts to that and whether he tries to you know make them be quiet or if he just kind of says the labor party is a broad church yeah and he's Mm. also got the greens pushing on him to condemn israelis as the war crimes condemn their actions as war crimes so i'll we'll leave that there we'll let bridie go into it more <laughs> but yeah there's a lot there's a lot playing there yeah. um, still bridie's lens yeah. <laughs> so I'll, I'll move on to dunnan bridie's so, gonna turn your mic off watch yeah. out <laughs> so maybe a little bit like albanese dunnan's campaign promises have lost a little bit of traction albanese's waiting for for um, a week to see what's going on, but but Albanese he um, said during the No campaign that he was gonna after the referendum he would walk towards constitutional recognition, um, and he has said this has been a long-standing coalition policy. But the ABC reports that they have not acted on this in government for a decade. So <laughs> I mean, I don't think we need the ABC to yeah. tell us that. Yeah, I'm just trying to not, you know, I don't want to plagiarism lawsuit on my We're not going to cop that defo case. <laughs> <laughs> um, so now that the dust has settled, though. Um, he is claiming that the Australian public is probably over the referendum process for some time. What do you guys think? Do you reckon we're over it? Do you I reckon mean, the sentiment um, is lost? Backflipping. I, this is a backflip if I've ever heard well, it. Yeah, like what, the, the, what did it I didn't backflip. I said what, no, and then I said yes, and then I said no, and yeah, I stuck yeah. with that. What do you say? There's more flip-flopping in a thong factory? Is that what happened? <laughs> <laughs> there's more flip-flops in a thong no, it's definitely backflipping, but also I don't yeah. think it's untrue to say that Australians are kind of over referendums for a little bit because we have seen a lot of the, I think, animosity towards the referendum was that there's cost of living, there's bigger issues, and I think those are only getting worse now as well. I don't think another referendum is going to be received very favourably. Especially if, considering how expensive they are. To yeah, run. exactly. Yeah. What was 
I read slash heard this one was around 400 million, but I don't 100% know about that figure. Yeah, I think it is. I feel like there's always going to be a certain level of exhaustion. 450 there we go. Um, after any big political event because they are always going to bring out opinions which will always like everyone has different opinions obviously and so I think that and when it comes down to something like this that is particularly personal to certain people there's a whole new level of exhaustion mm-hmm. yeah it's definitely and I feel like this has been particularly bad because we were talking about this I think before the federal election, so that's, you know, 18 months mm. ago. Mm. This We've been talking about it regularly, and this is us who are, like, engaged in politics. Like, people have been hearing about this for more than well over a year, and it's just gotten more and more and more and more and more toxic and, like, unkind and just nasty to listen to. Absolutely. So I think people will be like, why would we do that again? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. seemed, I really don't want there to be another one. <laughs> I'm just putting that out there. But it's like, good for the content. <laughs> oh, yeah, in terms of content. Us. Yeah, we're doing, we, we, at least we could come to this show every week and yeah. be like, hey, at least we, what are we going to do? Our oh, referendum, I'm sure there's something there. But historically in Australia, like referendums aren't rare. Like Only in the last, you know, modern history of Australia has, you know, there not been that many. It used to be, you know, every year you crack out a well, yeah, referendum in yeah and in the last years. 20 years there's been like two yeah so you know yeah, yeah. Right. Maybe, so you reckon we should have more well I'm just saying it <laughs> wouldn't be as you know out there as, yeah. I don't know. It, it wouldn't be I like it's probably more expensive now to hold yeah, yeah. It, and it, it wouldn't be unheard of but also we've just come off one I think I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't see one for like a good while especially because this yeah. one was quite a quite a um large loss mm. in terms of um the positioning so yeah i wouldn't be surprised if we didn't see one for a while they might do they might do in 10 years they might do three three you know, in one go yeah three, three in one three go one, yeah that'd be a good year to be on represent <laughs> will <laughs> will sin survive 10 <laughs> years so if about. you think sin should survive yeah. 10 years you should donate um any amount counts um, keep us on the air to talk about all the referendums in 10 years when we all <laughs> pretend that we're still 25. Yeah. Um, and you can donate at givenow.com.au forward slash save sin. I, I will say that one backflip I hope to see Dutton make is backflipping on the fact he hasn't donated to sin yet at <laughs> givenow.com.au <laughs> there have been a lot of forward slash save sin. anonymous donations. Oh, thank fair. you. Thank you, anonymous, thank you. anonymous. Anonymous. Right. I'll ask one more question because I know we've got a lot to get through. We this, also have a lot of time. Um, <laughs> we have people. We have so, so much time. Rush. We're fine. An hour and a half. We're already quarter way in. You've got four more segments to go. What? We've got so much. Okay. Time. Well, mm. I'll ask my last question anyway. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, this is uh, maybe phrased in a little bit of a. There was a few jokes around uh, oh, yeah. this. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so of course, Jacinta Price has had a very big week in politics, and the ABC published, published an article saying that her name has been added to the rumour list, that's in quotes, of a possible successor to Scott Morrison. He hasn't even left Parliament yet. He's it, still it, bloody there. As PM, as PM. As, like, imagining as it, that. As leader, as leader of as the leader, Liberals. As leader of the Liberals. Uh, <laughs> so what do we think? Of that little rumor, little um, little quip for you. To I, finish it off, Anna. <laughs> possibly, if Dutton it, loses it, the next election, then there could be a spill. But she's in the upper house, so she can't be leader. 
Um, you can so always she, shuffle around. She would need to be parachuted mm. into a lower house. Seat. Because I think the idea is that she would take over Scomo's seat of cook. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's what the that's what the idea is that I've been reading. But um. I mean, is that just because she's been really front and center of we'll our see. minds? Exactly. If she can keep it there, then she'd definitely be a contender. But I think if she just fades away a little bit, then it's hard to keep that momentum when you haven't got pressing topics. To and she's yeah. a first-term senator as well. Yeah. This is first-term yeah. Term yeah. They, they do need a shake-up though in in terms of leadership, and <laughs> you know, like. Peter Dutton's approval rating is like what thirty twenty. I, I thought I saw it until the twenties earlier this week. So, you know, they they definitely need to be maybe a, a self reflection time. <laughs> look, it it is kind of at the moment hard to do worse than Dutton in terms of leader of the Liberal Party. Yeah. I think that's just a bit of a fact that even like the most hardcore liberals can get behind. But um, I think they also do need to be careful as because they're obviously reading into this via the huge no vote. Are they misinterpreting that no vote as popularity for Jacinta Price? Mm. And I would argue that it shouldn't be read like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think but that's yeah. a really good point. All right. Yeah. Well, represent says no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you guys for humouring me. Careful, um, we're not allowed I, to take a stance. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess we'll go into our song and our next segment. We Can we get Willow by Taylor <laughs> Swift <laughs> This is Crushed by Simone Strauss. I wonder if she's related to, like, composer Strauss. And anyway. I think I, I want to play a bit of a game with our listeners, right? Uh-huh. During this song... The listener who donates closest to the end of the song at givenow.com.au forward slash sin, save sin, will be shouted out. So, yeah, get around it. Okay. I thought we were shouting everyone out. But yeah, I thought that was... No, but you get, like, the first, the most prominent oh, okay. shout, oh, the out. shout out. The most great, uh, the most gratitude. We <laughs> will write your name in Sharpie somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> in a mystery location. In a mystery location that totally right. won't just be a piece of paper. Donate to Sin and stay tuned to Represent. Welcome back to Represent. Really disappointed no one participated in the game. Oh, that's actually tragic. Get around it, guys. Freddie's ever going to recover. Givenow.com.au forward slash save sin. That's how I'm going to recover. I think we should make posters for you like like you did oh um, yeah like when we had radio for radio this naya made a freddy thon poster for his birthday mm. i think there should be we should just start slowly making imposter posters save All represent right. <laughs> keep represent alive we are this station <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're listening to represent fm 90.7 <laughs> where the, we are the only show on the air ever exactly well george take it away <laughs> I'll never get tired of hearing that. <laughs> I will say it incessantly. Is that like a regular thing? Every week last, last year, George year. was like, Brady, take it away. <laughs> take it away. <laughs> well, I'm glad to see the traditions progressing and, you know, in good hands now. But there's been a bit going on in the electric vehicle world, in, well, at least in Victoria. Um, <laughs> Small, world, <but laughs> Small world. I would love to get into that world. Givenow.com.au forward slash Freddy's Tesla. Let's get it up, guys. The represent communal Tesla. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, basically, um, a landmark high court judgment has rejected Victoria's electric vehicle levy. Um, which could blow a billion-dollar hole in the future state budgets and put pressure on the federal government to introduce a national road user charge. Uh, The state government charge has been applied at a rate of about two cents 
per kilometer and was designed to match the contribution um, of fuel power of fuel powered vehicles um, already make to road maintenance through a Commonwealth fuel excise. It means drivers of plug-in hybrids and full electric vehicles must pay for the distance they travel on public roads in and outside of Victoria. Um, this has been thoroughly opposed as being nothing more than a tax grab and not incentivizing electric vehicle use amongst a pretty small amount of already electric vehicle users in Victoria, which is at about of all new um, car sales is only at about 8 to 9% so far in Victoria. And in essence, the High Court had to decide whether the power to issue charge such as an EV tax sat with the hands of the federal government or the states. Um, in particular, it had to decide whether the EV tax was an excise, which under the Constitution, only the federal government can impose an excise. Wednesday's decision found that it was an excise and therefore couldn't be something that the that only the federal government could impose and therefore not the Victorian state government. So, this again has been opposed quite vehemently um, by being as one of the worst electric vehicle policies in the world, um, stated by some of the most influential figures um, in the electric vehicle department. Um, to put in perspective, leader of the Greens, Adam Bant, called on the federal government to rule out introducing of the EV tax, and I quote saying, we should be making electric vehicles cheaper and more affordable, not making them more expensive. All in all, it seems to be a approach that's been used to discount the current debt that you know, this Victoria state is going under. Obviously, recently we've lost the AAA rating and are at about $239 billion in state gross of a loss right now. So there is quite a, you know, place for increased revenue for the state government. They need it. <laughs> they do need it. Um, and especially with a few initiatives that haven't gone forward as of recent, it's definitely something that... Um, the state government will be looking to increase revenue in, but is this the way to go? Uh, that's the that's the big question. And are we putting our you know our own personal state debt ahead of our climate goals and our responsibility to climate change? So I'll put it to you guys: Are we in a position to essentially increase our revenue, or should we be looking at just incentivizing electrical vehicle use? Look, I think it, I just want to say this is going to be like the new case in legal studies at in high oh, school absolutely. now. Absolutely, <laughs> like that's not answering your question at all. But I was just thinking that that whole time. <laughs> yeah, of course. Well, I mean, it's it's quite a I know it's going to be a a debate for the future and how we kind of approach the use of electric vehicles. I think you know personally that in a state where Victoria has only got about 8.5% of all electrical vehicle sales over the new um, calendar year compared to the place where in ACT where it's about 21% according to Electric Vehicles Council. Where um, ACT has 21% of the sales nationally? Of, of the new sales within the ACT. Oh, so not national, that'd be quite... Okay. <laughs> yeah, because I was, was going to say, that's impressive for yeah. such a tiny space, but also I can see how they get to that considering it mm. is, again tiny it is tiny and yeah. it is quite a different demographic i mean ACT. it's it just seems so crazy to make it more expensive to drive mm. an electric car but also there are 
you know, like it's not like every car, but I feel like I do see quite a lot of electric cars out and about now. Like, I've definitely know, noticed that as well. Definitely increases. So all these people have been paying this extra tax. Like, yeah. Gee, and did it ever actually kick into effect? I think though, so. Because that's I remember why people would be suing for it. But can't they? Because I know it was proposed, and I know um, it did go through Parliament at some point. But did it ever actually come into effect? So. I don't believe it went through to full effect, but okay. it was always in the pipeline of, and, you know, it seemed yeah. to be an immediate thing coming on. But, you know, one of the biggest incentives of buying an electric vehicle is because you don't have to, yeah. you know, you should have some leverages leverages on your side and, you know, being so, incentivized. But. Yeah, I think that um, there what there is kind of a case to be made for this tax because I think, you know those taxes that come from the fuel sales do mm. put a lot of money into the road system and the infrastructure but I think it was the wrong time yep. because considering that like you pointed out, Victoria has a really poor take up of electric vehicles um, this wasn't the time to do it. I think it could be argued later on in the, in the lifespan's the wrong word but later on in the growth of electric vehicles of in course. the state I think could have been a better time a, a time where you can kind of, you know, you can still encourage electric electric yeah. vehicle sales now um, before, you know, st before it's incentivizing. No, no, exactly. And I think there is, like, even with the tax, there would still be that huge incentive because, you know, charging your vehicle costs a, a fair bit less than filling mm -hmm. up your car with petrol. But this was just kind of a bit of a backwards move, I think, yeah. and to uh, implement this now. Obviously, electric vehicles are quite expensive on the market right now they're Ooh. not being subsidized by any stretch yeah. um so if if you're looking for an economical short-term situation where especially in the cost of living crisis right now it's hard to justify spending in excess of forty thousand for an electric vehicle and when you add this on top of it you know maybe it maybe there's a point of no return in that sense so yeah i guess would it be a deal breaker if you were deciding to buy an ev or not if this taxation was to go through i mean uh, personally this is not something i'm not in the market for anything i mean like maybe mm. depend it would depend how much funds you have yeah yeah you got heaps of money in your boy I, no worries i'm looking at yeah. car sales at the moment just for used teslas um the lowest one is forty one thousand nine hundred and ninety dollars yeah. So I feel like if yeah, yeah. you've like got to be Mimi well said, off to be in a position to get it in the first place. Yeah. Probably I feel like Mimi said like if you've got the funds to buy an electric car, I doubt this is going to phase yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. But um, still, I it's really not great to have it in the first place. <laughs> I think this shouldn't be something that you have to worry about, especially so early in the um electric vehicle market. But yeah, yeah it's not going to phase people who are going to buy one. It probably sets a scene for the future um, in Australia, in how we deal with electric vehicles. I know obviously there's some countries in the world where they're subsidising the sales of new electric vehicles by half. If you look at places oh, in in, um, in Europe where it's just about you know, normal 
to well, not have only it. are they doing that, but like I'm thinking of in Paris where they're making it more expensive to drive like mm. big cars in uh, the city as well. Yeah. So and you know they've put the speed limit down to 30, so they're really, 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 really disincentivizing driving anything in the city, let alone driving a big <laughs> petrol-powered, exp- yeah, huge car. That is not to bring up Europe, <laughs> but that is something <laughs> that I was like, wow, there's like no full drives here, there's no big cars, and Australians love their big mm. cars. So. It might well, be not like America though. I actually read oh. an article about this but about Australian cars are slowly getting bigger to be these monsters. American yeah. cars, mm. like the most popular car sales, are the big Utes and yeah. whatever, like yeah. Red Falls. And it's more dangerous to have big cars on the road. Yeah, it does make sense in some areas, like in country town, in, you know, country places. Of course, people are going to have four wheel drives, but mm. you know, in like Richmond, if you're, <laughs> if you're only driving you in the city of Melbourne, exactly, it's completely pointless. Yeah, it's a waste like, of time. I don't know if you guys have tried driving in the city that much, but they don't need to do anything to disincentivize that. It's already a nightmare. <laughs> it's yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's already terrible. Well, it also brings up the other point of how Melbourne or is, hasn't really incentivized the use of you know taking up cycling to work mm. and things like that if you look again at mm. europe when i was in amsterdam or even the hague it was very incentivized you know lots of dividers on the road between cars and bikes and it just seems like a pretty obvious way to reduce our emissions and obviously there's some complications with like road structure and <laughs> urban planning not that i'm an expert in that but i'm sure there will <laughs> be some problems talk with urban that. Planning right <laughs> No, you're right. My favourite topic. Cyclists keep on dying in Melbourne because yeah. you know we don't have enough bike infrastructure, especially like in the inner western suburbs. Mm. Like uh, there was someone who died. Uh, I can't even remember where it was now. I feel like it was on Warrantry Way or something. But that seems silly because like I don't think it was. like a really big road to be riding a yeah, bike on. I can't remember, <laughs> but it was quite a big thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. I mean, I haven't been to Europe, but the cycling infrastructure here is just like it's not even second in line it's like 15th in line do you feel like it's the best in australia in australia though honestly i feel like 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 is melbourne the best out in australia i like compared to living in brisbane feel like they have way more like so that's something i really look Um, out for i've consciously (laughs) thought of this brisbane is kind of better it's harder to ride in because it's really hilly i feel like brisbane has better bike paths like along the river and that sort of stuff but the actual infrastructure on the road if you want to have the Mm. bike on the road as well like there's none of that green lane with like the dividers there's nothing like that well to be fair the only people I know who cycle really in Brisbane live in West End so it's not super you know applicable to the whole city yeah but I agree I think the paths around like the river in Brisbane are so much better but we also have good paths on the river here um, but yeah, there are a lot of places in Melbourne that really, really, really could do with better cycle yeah. lanes. Even in the city at tram stops, they need to do something better there because they, that's a really terrible solution that they've mess. got. Where it's like you've got because we the need s- the raised tram stops, the accessible yes. tram stops, obviously. Like, yes. There needs to be something else that happens with the cyclists so they're not just ploughing through people <laughs> mm. every time you, you should, get off a tram. You should not have to walk through <laughs> a bike lane to get on and off the tram yeah. because I've seen too many people colliding into the scooters especially. Uh, which or the delivery like, drivers. Or the delivery the drivers. And it's like, I love those scooters. I'm not going to lie. I'm a big pro scooter so fan. Funny. 
they're they're really funny and they're also so much fun. But um, yeah. <laughs> I've only ever ridden them like at night when there's no cars around. But it's so much fun. But also like they are quite dangerous when you've got people walking everywhere. So and dangerous. I think um the older trams of course have that like flip out stop sign. Yeah. But um the newer <laughs> ones don't have that. So there's a lot of people who don't even notice that the doors are opening. Yeah. And it's like one like what an argument could be made that they should be paying more attention because I think it can easily be noticed, but also Especially it, in in the city. Yeah, like, very much yeah. so. But um and if the tram's stopping, you should you should stop behind the tram as well. I think that's literally the law. Yeah. yeah but yeah, um But yeah, there's people who obviously don't do that and it leads to injuries. Mm. And it's like, yeah, no, that tram stop thing is completely stupid. It's kind of off topic, but we got there. No, eventually. well I think that public transport in general is should be better. Because, like, in Europe... Yeah. Are we just going to start doing what should we do about Mikey's? <laughs> no, no, I'm not going to Mikey's. Oh, God, don't get me started on Mikey's. Did you guys hear that story in the age where the West was cut off from the city? We brought oh, that story yeah. up, like, so many times this yes. year. Um, no, I was going to say, I was looking at the rail map in France, and there is literally a train on every inch of that country. Really? <laughs> there are just trains everywhere you can't walk 50 meters no i mean that's an exaggeration but it just looked like train 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 everywhere like great we need more trains we need more trams and we need more buses we also need the trains describing the suburban rail (laughs) 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 that is a topic i think that might be embargoed from represent based on the controversy of it all (laughs) hey guys mikey's getting scrapped how good's that (laughs) but yeah um Yay, public transport. No, <laughs> indeed. Um, but yeah, electric vehicles. What's up with those? <laughs> I guess we'll wait and see. It's definitely we'll something see. that will take over in the future and you know, we'll see if we're left behind in it all. But maybe yeah. we'll go to a but, song. Let's yeah. do it. Well, before um, we do go to a song, do we think we already are left behind? Financially. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you were alluding to? Just like, (laughs) sure. Just in terms of electric vehicles compared to the rest of the world, is Australia already behind? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's obviously... It doesn't mean we can't catch up, but I just don't think the car industry has been revolutionised enough. And especially when you look at, you know, we're one of the biggest, largest exporters of lithium in the world. And, you know, (laughs) can't imagine it being that hard to get... (laughs) To get the ball rolling in that sense, but exactly. Yeah, we've got so much money that just flows around, you know. Like, yeah. I just feel like it's not that difficult to. I mean, this is this is actually what Matt Bark was saying to fund sin more. <laughs> you know, it's not going to take heaps and heaps of money. The government they just spray around money everywhere. <laughs> um, you know, it's we not can spare take, the cash. Yeah, yeah. It's like I feel like. There are worse things that you could do with definitely. Could money. just take one consultant's salary away <laughs> and give it to Sin, and we're saved. <laughs> I want it to be yours. Yeah, oh, okay. and then you don't have to. No, I won't say that. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, here's the map of France. Okay, it's not quite as full as I thought, but it was like there's a train yeah, everywhere. Right? Yeah. yeah. So can funny. I can I ask though? Why were you looking at the France rail map? <laughs> Just well, as you do. You <laughs> I was dreaming of a Euro summer. I oh, wanted to go yeah. to the France Olympics. Oh, <laughs> yes, please. Represent participates in No, I was looking at the Olympics because like, there are all these different... It's all in all different cities. It's not just in Paris. It's That's in, like, cool. Lyon and Marseille, and I wanted to know how long it would take to get between each other. Maybe at the Olympics we can yeah, compete in the backflip competition with Peter Dutton. <laughs> <laughs> 
on that note, donate to Sin and we are going to listen to 1300 by Rockstar. Stay tuned to represent because we've still got more than an hour of content coming your way. Welcome back to represent. That was an energetic song. Yeah, that was good. It matched my really great joke that I told before the song. Yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> you don't support any of my jokes. It's so rude. I had oh, a great yeah. one on Tuesday. Did you oh, guys, did you I guys did hear it? To that. Yeah. Was oh, it as good as your joke that you told just then? Okay, fair. <laughs> yeah. No, that's fair. Yeah. I think my that was one just that was a good joke. It was a good joke just before. Well, you know what Perhaps else is a really good joke? But... <laughs> you know what else is a really good joke? Oh god! <laughs> 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 I thought it was gonna be another <laughs> No, I was actually gonna say you know what else is a big joke? Um, U.S. Congress because uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's yeah, a good yeah. segue. Yeah. But also, <laughs> um, givenow.com.au forward slash save sin. Not a joke. Which is not a joke. We, we do need money. Our, our wallet is very empty, so please donate because we need it and we want to stay on the air. And yeah, yeah. and Sin wants to double what it's got now, which is uh, it wants to reach ninety k. Yeah, in four weeks. So there we go. There's the pressure's on. Yeah, there we go. Are we allowed to say that publicly? <laughs> it's already been said. Don't forget that. But um. Uh, yeah, so you might remember if you're listening to the show a couple of weeks ago that we talked about Kevin McCarthy being the first ever Congress House Speaker to be ousted. And if you is- didn't hear us say that, you can listen back to our show on Omni or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. But also, I just said it again, so you don't yeah, need sorry. to do that. Well, but you should. But, anyway. um, but you should still go back and binge listen to your favorite episodes of Represent. But um. Yeah, so we talked about that on the show a couple of weeks ago, and since then it has continued to be a giant disaster in the US House because all they have done since then is argue, really, which isn't really surprising for America. So basically, following those events of Kevin McCarthy being ousted, a, temp- a temporary speaker was appointed strictly to see through the election of a new speaker, which they have to do before they do anything else in the House. So the temporary speaker is chosen from a ranked list of members that the prior speaker creates to use in the event that speakership is vacant. This was something they brought in after 9-11, which is very interesting. So I'm guessing they were worried that if one of their speakers dies, they won't know what to do or something Mm. like that. So anyway, at the top of Kevin McCarthy's list was a North Carolina Republican, Patrick McHenry, two first names, uh, who is now the temporary... (laughs) (laughs) Good bad name. Yeah, good good bad name. Um, Who was at the top of the list, so he's now the temporary speaker. But following this, Republicans and Democrats now each had to nominate a candidate for speakership. So the Democrats unanimously got around... Hakeem Jeffries from New York. He was also the nominee in January who ran against Kevin McCarthy, but Kevin McCarthy obviously won after 15 ballots, might I add. Which yeah, was, so it wasn't exactly a resounding victory. It wasn't, it wasn't a resound... Well, I'm guessing there was a lot of relief once he eventually did win. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Uh, so he ran against Kevin McCarthy back in January, so he's back again. But the Republicans weren't as unanimous. They had three potential options. The first option was an Ohio far-right Republican Jim Jordan. Two first names again. What? Um, The House Majority Leader Steve Scalise from Louisiana and former U.S. President (laughs) and star of Home Alone 2 Lost in New York, Donald Trump. Why is he on the list? Why? That's a great question. Genuinely, why? No, that that is genuinely a great question. 
um, maybe you would have. So loud. <laughs> because you can actually nominate someone who isn't in the house as speaker. Actually? No, you actually can. What? That's no. That that's something you can do. It's totally fine. It's Why happened are we before. not speaker of the house? <laughs> <laughs> Represent becomes speaker of the house. I, that's but, actually cooked. That but, has blown my little mind. Can, what, what? Why? Why are you so opposed? Are you like opposed to like a non member? Yeah. yeah? I mean, what if they just nominated like Joe from next door? Not like Joe Biden. I, that's, <laughs> a bad that's a really good names. I could see multiple issues with you the know. Republicans nominating Joe Biden. <laughs> Shut, <laughs> Shut up. Okay. <laughs> I was meaning like your average Joe, who is not the president. <laughs> you know, like. Okay, John from down the street. Hey, John, come and be speaker. He doesn't know how the house works. You've got to know how the house works. Yeah. Like, in Australia, it has to be someone from the house. So I'm, I'm not 100% sure if it's a rule that it has to be someone, like, actually part of your party that is in government. But I know because... Well, you... Trump's not in government. Well, no, that's true. But he is part of the Republican Party, I guess. But I don't know. But obviously, they're not just going to nominate some random person. What the hell? They won't nominate Joe Biden either. But um, Trump did publicly consider the role, but he ultimately decided to endorse Jim Jordan when he and Scalise formally announced their candidacy. It is worth noting that Jim Jordan was a Trump loyalist, basically. So that endorsement wasn't really a surprise. So from here, the Republicans voted between Scalise and Jordan. Scalise won. However, Scalise then withdrew after he won because it became clear that Jim Jordan's allies wouldn't support Scalise in a vote on the floor. Because to gain speakership, 217 votes are required. This is an absolute majority in the House. The Republicans hold 221 seats in the House, while the Democrats hold 212. Without the support from Jordan's allies, it was very clear that Scalise wouldn't end up with the votes. Uh, when he would go up against the Democrat candidate. So he dropped out, and Jordan ended up becoming the Republican candidate after defeating Austin Scott in another Republican vote. However, the Republicans then did a validation vote to see who would actually vote for Jordan when it came to speakership votes, when they'd have to go up against the Democrats. And only 152 Republicans pledged to voting for Jordan, which, for the mathematicians out there, you'll be able to tell us that 152 is a lot less than 217. So that's not great. It doesn't look. Does that look like a very promising candidate? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. <laughs> so that's just out of the Republicans, though. That's just out of the Republicans. So, like, they could have. Well, they're not going to get that many votes. Well, the Democrats. Yeah, the Democrats could help, but uh, possibly a little. That'd be unlikely. like the Democrats um, nominating Donald Trump as their speaker <laughs> candidate. <laughs> but, um, well, hang on a second. That's not too far from reality, is it? <laughs> Fair enough, but um. Despite Jordan not having nearly enough support, uh, he committed to holding the first speakership election on Tuesday, the Tuesday that's just been. But, of course, Jordan would have been a little bit stressed about getting the support he needed, and his supporters definitely were a bit stressed by this because it was reported that they have taken very aggressive tactics in gaining, in gaining support for Jordan, where several Republicans have received threatening phone calls and text messages after uh, announcing their intention to not vote for Jordan. So an Iowa Republican wrote that she received credible death threats from Jordan's supporters. Um, Nebraskan Republican Don Bacon, what a cool name, uh, his wife has been harassed via text messages because of his refusal to support Jordan. 
Carlos Jimenez, a Florida Republican, has had his office flooded with robocalls. And, um... So, yeah, it's been crazy. Uh, Jim Jordan has denied that he had any involvement in these intimidation tactics and has condemned the activities. Um, but also it hasn't reflected very well for him, obviously, because it's it, he's attached to it, basically, by association, because it's his supporters, you know? Mm. Um, so this has weakened his support. Many are also refusing to support Jordan because they aren't fans of his far-right conser- conservatism. Conservatism? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, Jordan has also previously been labelled a, quote, legislative terrorist by a former Republican speaker, and a Colorado Republican has cited Jordan's continued refusal to accept Biden's 2020 victory. Get over it. It happened. So, elections did kick off on Tuesday. Uh, In the first ballot, all 212 Democrats presented a united front, they voted Hakeem Jeffries unanimously. However, the Republicans were quite divided. So two- Wow, that really comes yeah. as a shock to me. Would you, would you believe it? So 200 of them voted for Jim Jordan's. Seven of them voted for, for Steve Scalise despite his withdrawal. From, <laughs> so I, they just never give loyal, up. Hey? Yeah. yeah, I don't. I don't know what happened there. Six of them voted for the ousted speaker Kevin <laughs> McCarthy. I <laughs> which, love America. Is that just you a donkey say, vote? And that's. <laughs> I think. Well, you can abstain from the vote, so I don't know why <laughs> they should. Live right. And one of them did. So that's kind of funnier. I yeah. kind of. Like, <laughs> voting for some random um, person. Yeah. That's better than abstaining. So, seven <laughs> other Republican votes were spread across five <laughs> other potential names. Uh, three of those votes were... At the, I don't have the name off the top of my head, but three of those votes were for a Republican who isn't part of the House. So, there you go, Brady. <laughs> um, oh but God. there was also uh, one abstained vote off the top of my head, but I don't have that written down here for some silly reason. Yeah. So, obviously... Silly. I'm sorry, but it's not as silly as voting, voting someone <laughs> who withdrew from from uh, being the speaker. But, um, yeah, so nobody got the required 217 uh, votes, so it was on to another vote the next day on Wednesday. The Democrats once again unanimously voted for Jeffries, 212 votes. This time, Jordan only secured 199 Republican votes, uh, one less than he got on the first vote. Scalise got seven votes again. He is still withdrawn at this point. Uh, McCarthy still got five votes. He was still ousted. And um, there were 10 other Republican votes that were spread across eight other names. What is the point of voting for some (laughs) random bob in your party instead of just voting for the Democrat? They need five more. They could take half of... Or, like, Kevin McCarthy's votes or half of the other random votes. Well, I I think if you are a Republican, and I I think the Democrats would most likely do the same, is if you're divided in your party about who should be Speaker, you'd rather vote for some random in your party just to sway off the vote than give it to a Democrat. Party politics strikes again, right? Yeah. um, Productivity at its finest. Yeah, so there you go. There is still no Speaker, so There's another ballot being held later today. It's unclear whether the Republicans will finally rally around Jordan, but it's looking very unlikely. And again, the House can't actually do anything until it elects a Speaker. This is their number one priority. Some have called for the powers of the temporary Speaker, Patrick McHenry, uh, for his powers to be expanded while he's temporary Speaker, to allow the House to 
actually do its job while electing a speaker and arguing, but the proposal got backlash from hard-right Republicans. Surprise, surprise. Um, so when McCarthy was elected to speakership in January, it took 15 ballots for him to get the required 217 votes. Somehow not the longest. The longest was the 34th Congress electing their speaker in 1855. No one is allowed to look it up. How many ballots do you think it took for them to elect their speaker? 62. 62? Uh, I'm going to say 34 because it's the 34th Congress. 34 because it's the 34th Congress, yep. 17. 17, and George? 22. Guys, it took 133 (laughs) (laughs) ballots. You got the closest. 133 ballots. But Mimi, you were really close because that took 62 days. Oh, there you go. My premonition was kind of there. There you go. You were almost there. I saw the number. Close enough for jazz. Yeah, it took 62 days and 133 ballots. Their vote started in December 3rd, 1855 and kept going. That's my February birthday, 2nd. but like That's right. one yeah. billion years before. <laughs> one billion years before. <laughs> so yeah, will we get to the 133? Who knows? Wait, let's do a I guess think... of what we think. We'll oh get to. yeah, how? Yeah. Okay, let's put it on the record. How many ballots? I reckon it will be 23. Okay. I reckon we'll know tomorrow. Something shocking oh. will happen. Uh, okay. Oh, you one, think it will happen tomorrow? Oh, so like, you think more? So, three ballots. Yep. Okay. Okay. Optimistic, but inspiring. I'm going to do four, because I reckon okay. if they don't do it tomorrow, then people will be like, come on, mate. Mm. Yeah. I was I was going to say four. I'll, yeah. I'll go five, just to... Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just picking... I'm going 13. 13, 13. ballots. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, basically, when McCarthy... Let me just write Ooh, this down. Yes. Okay, write yeah, it down. write it down. So that we can, you know, hold each other to it. Yeah, r- pop it in. Um, so when McCarthy was originally ousted just two weeks ago, it was after he collaborated with the Democrats on a bill that would avoid a government shutdown, right? And he was ousted by hard-right Republicans. Are these hard-right Republicans just causing as much chaos as possible to just stop the government from doing anything? What do we think? Okay. Is this a ploy? I think that's just sim- symbolic of... I guess the Trumpism of the party, yeah. in in the sense where it, he has struck such a core that has divided, you know, the Republican Party, which has historically been pretty, like you know, to an extent, been pretty defined and in solidarity with one another. But now it's kind of seen as a very pragmatic, um, you know, situation where it's you know my way or the highway, and we're yeah. seeing that across the board in in the Democrats to an extent as well when there was like. Bernie Sanders rise and um, where that kind of divided the Democrats but yeah I I think it's just symbolic of how defined people's politics are and the party lines they aren't held accountable to their party they're held accountable to their views now yeah yeah that's a very good that's very good but I think I guess, like, um, yeah. the interesting thing is like when they were sort of when the Democrats were squabbling over Bernie Sanders that didn't stop the whole government yeah this is which I think is, like, mm. a pretty key difference. But could we see the Democrats doing the same? Look, I think it would be against their... Like, I think they would receive a lot more backlash. It feels like Republicans... I don't know why. <laughs> uh, any conservative party just seems to be, like, water off a duck's back when they do annoying things, like shut down the government, effectively. Mm. Um, like, they can kind of weather these storms, whereas Democrats, I feel like there's more expectation that they'll be accountable and often will resign 
more readily. Yeah. Then it, yeah, that's good. I don't know. No, that's good. Mm. Yeah. yeah but, else? I mean, it's just so funny. <laughs> These re- hard right people. They're just nuts. Like, yeah. seriously. These people... <laughs> Yeah. I can't believe they're voting for these guys who've withdrawn. Well, that is a bit bizarre, and how there's just, like, one rogue Republican voting one other rogue Republican, and they're all just sort of voting for each other. I can't believe they nominated Trump as an option. They didn't actually... Because technically anyone can put themselves up for nomination. You can put yourself up. I'm yeah. You, not, I'm not going within. to represent becomes... I'm going. I'm leaving. You're just going to go do it. I'm getting right now. Do you really um, want to become a Republican Brady? That's not the point. <laughs> but I think they should nominate me for speaker. <laughs> I wouldn't take any nonsense. Well, I'd be like, you're being silly. I guess George did kind of answer this question, but to everyone else, why are the Republicans struggling to unite? Why do we think? That's a hard question. But I do think it's Trump's Trump's fault. influence? <laughs> sort of Trump's legacy? Yeah, yeah, I mean, he was so divisive in 2016, and then he was divisive throughout his presidency, and he just kind of sowed chaos wherever he went. And I think that he's left behind a party that's completely split down the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, honestly, I'm not even sure if they'll ever be able to reconcile it if he, well, while he's still alive. While he still has a presence in general. Yeah. While he's still there, yeah, because he's very much still quite a looming presence over the Republican Party. Yeah, he's still running. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't even show up to the debates, and that's all they talk Mm. about during the debates. Yeah, Yeah, they just talk about him. Yeah, well, final question related to this. Can I just add one thing before? Yes, absolutely. Please. Do we see this... I know it's a burning question that's gone on for a long time, but do we see this as a possible segue or, you know, the the calm before the storm before a third party arises in... Oh. In... American politics. I, I don't. Oh, no. I think I don't too, think too far so. out, too, too extreme. Too. I think the only third party would be if the Republicans split. I don't think it would be like the Greens or like a Lib Dem sort of. Yeah, yeah I can exactly. see the Republicans splitting. But, yeah. But I, can, um, yeah. I don't think like a... Th- yeah, I think if there was going to be a third party, it'd be the Republicans s- fracturing the Republicans. into two, where it'd be more that centre-right and then the far-right. I could see the centre-right absorbing to be a more... Like neoliberalist, corporatist kind of party, yeah. and yeah. and yeah, they're being, I guess, a rogue far right party. Yeah. yeah, yeah, full of the Jim but, Jordans of the world. <laughs> the yeah. Jim Everyone's from stuff. Ohio. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, well, final question related to this: Could do you think we could see something like this happen in Australia? I don't know what the logistics would even be of that, or if it's even possible. But could we see a party fracture so much that it would stop government from actually functioning? And why would that be the Liberal Party? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't... I think the way, like, coalitions work in Australia, that even if they were to probably... They'd still probably form a coalition of sorts. So, I don't know. I, yeah, I, just I, an ideological coalition. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Which, you know, might be counterintuitive <laughs> in <laughs> essence. But, um, yeah, I... I I probably can't see it happening. I, I don't think the. I think there are definitely factions in Australian politics, and they definitely define some, you know, leadership spills. But I think that's as far as it goes as a. I think know, there's spill. a lot more rules and procedure here because we've got you know however many hundreds of years of the Westminster tradition. There's a lot more like, kind of, not foolproofing. That's the wrong word, but like 
there's kind of protection against crazy things like this happening. Like, we're never talking about government shutdowns, but there's basically one in America Mm. that starts getting talked about every year. Like, I just think... I mean, it's possible that if... You know, if one party has, when one party has a majority in one house, then we get things like double dissolution elections. But if that just keeps on happening, they just dissolve parliament and have an election because it's not possible to do things. Like, I think there's more insurance against chaos in our parliament. Yeah, definitely. Well, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, if I was just. If you were if the, speaker, I was the speaker, actually, yeah, if you guys were the speaker, what would you do Get to try over and it. solve this in America? I'd start my own party. Yeah. <laughs> no, I... The Freddy party. Like, on, on, honestly, I, I I wouldn't be on the Republican side. I'll just, I'll just flag that immediately. But um, <laughs> I think there's a lot, like, all of the Republicans that are, like, sort of intentionally holding out, I think you're getting nothing done. And you're just kind of being a pain to the rest of your party. I think there's... Like, the even if it's... Sorry? And the country. Yeah, exactly. I think even if it's not the person you want, there's a lot more benefit in just putting someone from your party in mm. than just stalling. Yeah, but, like, that's the thing. Some... The way that, like, the party dynamics work, some of them are more disillusioned with people in their own party than they are with the, like, Democrats. As in, they they focus more of their attention against you know the centrists of the party than they would on, you know, AOC something like that. She's just their go-to. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know. I just think it's so fractured that there, there is no easy solution. It's going to take some remarkable person to try and solidify the. It's going to take Brian. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's like a it's like a bad breakup. <laughs> Like, they just, yeah, broken up over text and there's no coming back from that, but, yeah, I guess guess we'll see. All right. Yeah, Any well, final thoughts? You know what I'm thinking? Donate to Sin? No, Willow by Taylor Swift. Oh, Come on, please play it. <laughs> I'm taking him off air. No, but, um, yeah, any final thoughts? I think it's just a really fun reality show at this point. Like, yeah. this is hilarious. Um, if you agree, donate at givenow.com.au forward slash safe. Yeah, exactly. We uh, could really use the money. <laughs> This is Sour Berry by one, well, I assume it's pronounced one tablespoon, not one TBSP, but... um, I like TBSP. It's a good rapper name. Well, we'll find out if it's actually rap. Watch it be like a really slow pop song. Yeah. (laughs) All right, you're on Represent. We've got more coming up, so stay with us. You are back on Represent. Would you call that rap? Nah, like trance. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, no, not, not rap, unfortunately. But you one TBSP for house speaker. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Brady, I'm crossing the floor. Whoa, I feel betrayed. I'm never going to recover from this. Well, I might because I have a massive segment. I did kind of write a little essay in the run sheet this morning about this um, because. But then this morning, I couldn't see it. I did it well, like midday. Oh, okay. Not like I was like. I didn't get out of bed until about ten. It's my first day out of semester. Stories. I was like laying in. Lucky. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, well, let's get into it. But before we get into it, um, if you hear something in this segment about Israel or Palestine, you should donate to givenow.com.au forward slash save sin. Jeez, yeah, I wonder what the segment's aid. about. Yeah. yeah. Sin aid. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, Biden, he comes up again. He visited Israel this week. I hear the Republicans are nominating him for House Speaker. <laughs> No, they have to nominate me. Um, 
Yeah, he was a bit overshadowed though, which is probably that's not something that I think, I think happens that's very a often. Good thing. Yeah. Humble him. Yeah, <laughs> humble the president, commander in chief. Anyway, um, we laugh, but it was because of one of the worst occurrences so far in this war, which is the bombing of a hospital. So you know, not such a happy topic. Um, almost five hundred were ki- people were killed according to the BBC. So I did a bit of a deep dive on the BBC and Al Jazeera today because they have quite a lot of good coverage on this. Um, But the thing with this blast is that Palestine is blaming an Israeli rocket, whereas Israel... Israel, I don't know why I said it like that, says it was another militant group which is called the Palestinian Islamic Jihad. So everyone's shifting the blame, so no one one knows what actually happened. Um, But... Thousands of civilians had been sheltering there after the IDF, the Israeli Defence Force, had told people to evacuate the north of the Gaza Strip. And so it appears that many of the victims of the blast were these people who were sheltering. There were a 1,000 people who had been displaced who were at the hospital and six thousand, uh, sorry, 600 patients and staff. So it's pretty devastating. There were 20 hospitals, including this one, that were instructed to evacuate despite their protected status as hospitals. The WHO, uh, the World Health Organization, which is an agency of the UN, I feel like people often think they're different, but they are actually part of the UN, they've said that it's impossible to evacuate these hospitals because there's so many ill patients, there's no ambulances, there's not enough supplies, and there's a shortage of beds elsewhere. So they've said that this order will worsen the current humanitarian crisis. So this blast, the BBC, I mean, a lot of news outlets are trying to work out what happened because there's been so much misinformation already but the BBC contacted a bunch of experts with some footage and still images um, and one of their journalists actually went to the site um, to try and work out what happened they've contacted three different experts who sort of say it doesn't appear to fit with the typical Israeli munitions. They contacted about 20 different people, but like a lot of them hadn't replied by the time the article was published. Um, anyway, J. Andres Gannon, Gannon uh, an assistant professor at Vanderbilt in America, says that it appears to have had small ground explosions, which means that the explosion may have been caused by leftover rocket fuel catching on fire. And he also says that in the footage there is a projectile so like a rocket and he says it isn't possible to say whether that actually struck its target so it's not for sure whether it is that rocket justin bronk senior research fellow at the uk-based royal united services institute agrees with gannon um he does say it's difficult to be sure at such an early stage the evidence looks like the explosion was caused by a failed rocket section hitting the car park and causing a fuel and propellant fire um, so we'll get to that a little bit in a minute. Um, Valeria Scuto, who's the lead Middle East analyst at Sibylline, which is a risk assessment company, says that it might have been a different type of Israeli munition, but she still seemed to imply that this was like inconsistent with the damage at the site. The, the main thing is there's no crater. Yeah, I was most of that too. Yeah, most of the rockets that Israel uses would leave a really big crater, but there's just like a little kind of it looks like a pothole like it's really quite small interesting so but there are notably a lot of burnt out and like upturned cars so it's a bit it's a bit weird the idf um released what it says is audio from pij um the palestinian islamic jihad which acknowledged that they had hit the hospital but they then denied this and blamed israel the recording hasn't been verified by anyone like 
Associated Press or the BBC or anyone. So, like, that could be fake. We don't know. Um, Al Jazeera was actually broadcasting live at the time of the strike on the hospital. And they did some analysis on their live footage because the IDF used that in an interview to say that it wasn't them because you, they're like, you can see in Al Jazeera's footage that, like, it wasn't us because it's in the background. Um, so they then went back and, like, analysed it with some other footage that they had of a wide view of the Gaza Strip, which is Israeli footage, like a live cam, I think. It shows four strikes just before 7pm local time, and they suggest that the Israeli footage shows the Iron Dome missile defence system that we talked about last week intercepting these rockets that were launched from Gaza, which is, like, minutes before the bombing of the hospital. And they said that they were destroyed in the sky. So, like... It wasn't the ones that were launched from Gaza. Five seconds after the final Gazan rocket was shot, there was a small explosion on the ground, and then two seconds later, the Al-Ali Arab, Arab Hospital strike explodes. Sorry, that was like a really hard sentence to read, and I don't know why. Um, so it's really unclear. So, But the Al Jazeera team suggests that the Israeli claim is untrue. So that's the conclusion that they've come to. Um, is untrue? That Yeah, the Israeli claim that it wasn't them because of the footage of Al Jazeera. They're saying, like, that's not... That's bogus, basically. Okay. But, you know, <clears throat> that has to be taken, obviously, with a grain of salt. Um, Joe Biden, moving on to Mr Biden, uh, he visited Israel on Wednesday for a 7.5-hour visit. Bit of a whirlwind trip. He came out very, very forcefully in, uh, in support of Israel. He compared the Hamas strike that sort of sparked this latest war to 9-11. He called it Israel's 9-11. But he did warn them against being consumed by rage, mm, yeah. which I thought was an interesting sort um, of illusion. I wonder what he was trying to get at in um, terms of the response to 9-11. Listen to that, um, the ABC Daily Listen News one. I can't remember the name of the lady who does it, but... um. We always talked about it last we year. We talked about it so much last year. Sam? Now I can't remember her name. I feel like it's Sam. Sam. Uh, one moment. Samantha Hawley. Is it? That doesn't seem. Yeah. That doesn't sound right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. Anyway, she was interviewing someone from America Today, and she asked the same question, being like, "What do you think he meant when he was saying like, don't make mistakes when you're angry, and like, yeah. don't do this?" And he like did not answer the question. He was like, "I'm not an authority to like the American get into his mind." And she yeah, was well, like, I feel like it's mm. alluding to, like, was the, to like, you know, the forever war. And yeah, mm. for sure. You could tell she was trying to get him to say it, but he was like, oh, I'm not a privy to yeah. talk about <laughs> that. And I was like, dang it. Interesting. We could have got some real goss. Yeah. Um, so Biden really, really reaffirmed the US support for Israel. But he did also manage to broker a deal with the Egyptian president to open the border crossing. Um, which would allow some aid into Gaza. So that's likely to happen today, um, which I thought is interesting because obviously he's gone like Israel, 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 and then he's still done a little bit for Gaza. And so I was like, okay, maybe it's not just, just about Israel for you because, you know, what we've heard from the US is very much Israel-focused. But he notably said that based on what he'd seen, so this was very, very shortly after it, so this was all preliminary, and this is what you were talking about mm. before, that hospital strike, quote, was done by the other team, not you, 
Yeah. And he was saying that to Benjamin Netanyahu, the Israeli PM. Very cryptic thing to say. I know. It's like he doesn't want <laughs> to blame. He doesn't want to say it was Hamas. He doesn't want to say it was Palestine. Yeah. He just Who wants is to say this other, the team? other team. Which probably indicates that even US intelligence doesn't know necessarily yeah. who it was or they're not confident enough to stay, at least. But he's now given a primetime Oval Office address, just in time for represent, to the Amer- to the America, <laughs> to the US. He compared, notably, he compared Putin to Hamas and the Ukraine war to the war in Israel, which I thought was a really interesting comparison to make, saying like really very much victimizing israel yeah. in a war that you know everyone who is a part of this has you know i think it's as clear cut as play. the no ukraine it's like the complete opposite dynamic of the aggressive <laughs> versus the yeah non- well you know yeah <laughs> one side going into another person's land i'm gonna put that as diplomatically as i go yeah <laughs> Um, yeah. So he's asking Congress to pass an aid package to Israel, uh, Ukraine, and Taiwan, which I thought was really interesting because mm. he didn't talk much about Taiwan uh-huh. in the address. But like, I mean, George, don't what? get George and me started <laughs> on Taiwan and China. <laughs> so we'll just go for the rest of the show. But um, I thought that was an interesting thing to throw in there because it probably makes it a little bit harder for Congress to be like, actually no, because then it's like, well, now you're denying aid to. Uh, Ukraine and to Taiwan, like, how dare you? Mm, yeah, that's super interesting. It's a bit, a bit sneaky of him. Yeah. So some quotes from his speech are, Hamas and Putin represent different threats, but they share this in common. They both want to completely annihilate a neighbouring democracy. Interesting. Uh, if we don't stop Putin's appetite for power and control in Ukraine, he won't limit himself to Ukraine. I'm not sure mm. why that was put in there because that feels like it's implying Putin's trying to you know, Take over go back to the USSR days. Yeah, it's exactly some, how it sounds. There's yeah. some big implications yeah. there. He's um, making a lot of big calls. Yeah, I, I think this he's very... um. Seven hours there, he's gone, I know what the whole thing's about. Yeah, yeah he's... um. <laughs> He's picked a side, yeah. and he's sticking with it, and he's making some pretty huge well, calls. Well, there's more. Yeah. He more said that calls. Ha- what? Yeah, he said that Hamas had unleashed pure adulterated, unadulterated, sorry, pure unadulterated evil on the world, and there was no higher priority for me than the safety of Americans held hostage. Okay, that one's not such a surprise. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'd be kind of surprised if he didn't say that. And he tried to make it feel a bit closer to Americans by saying that by making sure Israel and Ukraine succeed, it is vital for America's national security. So, yeah. do you think that... Do you think it is vital for America's national security? <laughs> no, I'm not going to ask that. Um, but <laughs> do you think that, like, Biden's... Like, this Oval Office address in particular, is that just symbolic, or do you think it will make a difference? I think it's probably a message he had to make. Mm. Uh, I don't know if he had to be as bold <laughs> and make yeah. comparisons to Taiwan and Ukraine in him, but... <laughs> Um, I think the way he, I think the 45 hostages, American hostages, um, being held by Hamas, um, don't quote me on that. Um, but I think it definitely gives a segue to kind of open the door to make it about America's national security, even though a lot of the time they try and intertwine Israel's security and America's security together, even though they come from the other side of the world. Um, but yeah, all in all, I think the wording 
isn't too surprising in the sense where whenever tensions broil between Israel and Palestine, normally it's we stand by Israel and they maintain their rights to defend themselves, but then they also leave a little bit of room for humanitarian aid for Gaza and, you know, hold a bit of restraint, uh, which is very similar to what Penny Wong and Anthony Albanese have said earlier this week. Um, so from that sense, I think it's kind of to be expected. I don't think we're ever going to see... Joe Biden waving a Palestinian flag in, in front of the White House or anything. He's quite clearly sort of pledged, sort of. I mean, he was wearing yeah. a blue and white tie while yeah. he was there. Like, yeah, definitely not, not seeing that. Yeah, yeah, and I, it's it's just interesting to see the perspective of Palestine from like the US's perspective because it's almost like never given the time of day mm. whatsoever. It's, I don't think. I'm going to look up a transcript of the speech because I'm not sure whether he actually said Palestine. One moment. That's another thing that's been... Mm. that That's exactly what Penny said Wong Gaza. said as well. It's always, yeah, the humanitarian aid for, for Gaza, never for Palestinians, which is a lot of diplomatic lingo that they're trying to mm. push in to make sure that they don't seem too... Very know. carefully selected words. Exactly. Like I think especially what we see from Biden is his willing to pick a side but not mm. willing to go against the other side, yeah. if you know what I mean. He says, and, like, the Palestinian people, lots mm. of Palestinian life, but he doesn't say Palestine. Interesting. Like, yeah. he, I mean, obvious. And, oh, I just remembered this. The US vetoed a UN resolution yes. for humanitarian yes. aid. And I was like, oh, yeah. my goodness. Yeah. Humanitarian was... aid to help people. Mm. That was and pretty, pretty huge, That's yeah. Pretty yeah. But yeah, just touching on that before, I think it's I, it's strange that it has to be stated, but I think, like, is it not obvious that Hamas doesn't represent all of Palestine and Palestine mm. doesn't represent yeah. Hamas? Um, yeah. Half the population in Gaza are children. They didn't vote for Hamas. They didn't vote for the PLO neither. They, it's a humanitarian mm. crisis, and you can't even get out of Gaza. Like, yeah. these people yeah. are essentially trapped. Egypt have closed their borders. They're trapped, for, and Israel's threatening a ground invasion now as well. Exactly. It's, they're being cornered into the south of Gaza, and even West Bank is now being attacked as well. Yeah, the, How, explain um, that one. Footage, so like the uh, Al Jazeera video that I watched, which was kind of analysing the footage, it had also footage of people and it is at the hospital. It is literally like, it makes your stomach churn. It is mm. so terrible. Yeah. And like the photos on the New York Times um, on Instagram, their photos are amazing. So bad, so bad, but like mm. really expressive. Of course. It's, yeah. Yeah. Such a heavy issue and it seems like something where it's more divisive than I think the referendum was as well. Uh, yeah. yeah, more worldwide implications. I, I think yeah. as well, you know, it's getting really ugly when that you start bombing hospitals. Yeah. That's disgusting. Whoever it was, Whoever like... it was should be truly disgusted with themselves because that's terrible. I think... And there's no wars won from that. Yeah, I... The thing I don't even think any of these war crimes will be brought to justice, no matter you know Never. what side you look at it. Uh, I don't like they're not going to be taken to the Hague or um, anything of the sort. I think it's kind of past that point, and yeah, innocent civilians are always going to die in, in this situation. And you know, but it's yeah. horrible to see them targeted like they were as well mm. for yeah. no reason. 
of yeah. course. And uh, the other problem is, no, depending on what media source you go to, you're going to get a different perspective. If you exactly. listen to Al Jazeera, you'll probably get a more uh, Palestinian rep- representation, whereas if you probably look at like the BBC or something like or Sky News, you're going to get a more Israeli-centered approach. So the truth is a... Hard I will say, actually, the BBC was quite a good very detailed mm. lots of stuff on it yeah, so yeah. I, okay. I was expecting it to be quite Israel oriented mm. but it wasn't that's, as yeah. it was more impartial oh, that's good yeah yeah I, but it was very much there was an ABC article that I was just trying to find I couldn't find it anyway mm. I just found it um, and it was just like how possibly chaotic it could be to have made this statement saying it wasn't you that struck the hospital I mean especially if it comes out that it was like yeah. the other team the, thing yeah and it's it's the way he said so colloquially like mm. it, it, like if you're going to take us like that's taking a side you, you can't just say oh, i might have you know not been you guys if you say you know it looks like it's the other team you're saying it was the other team you can't yeah. backtrack that it also feels so schoolyard yeah do you know what i mean like it feels like something like you'd say to like <laughs> your yeah. friend if like you had a fight with another group of friends. I yeah. feel like if... You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it just feels so the too casual. The like, ABC article was just saying, like, at the end it just kind of goes, the US is, like, quite isolated in being so Israel, yeah. like, so closely mm. associated with Israel. Um, and it kind of is saying that this could possibly... It's implying that this could possibly undermine its stance as trying to broker a peace if Palestine can't trust it as, mm. you know someone who's going to yeah. just be with Israel. Well, uh, Australia hasn't even called for a ceasefire yet, or yeah. Albanese hasn't, and, you know, that goes the same for Joe Biden, hasn't called for a ceasefire. Um, so you wonder how aggressive this will get and wh- at what stage, to how many lives need to be lost before a ceasefire is called. Yeah, yeah like. exactly. So. Well, on that note, shall we go to a song? Willow by Taylor Swift, yeah. (laughs) This is Manny by Ballpark Music. Um, We've still got more on Represent, so stay with us. Welcome back to Represent. This will be our final segment for our jam-packed show, and it'll be a fun one. It will be. Well, first bit's... It's sort of fun and not fun, and then if you think it's fun, you should donate. It's a yeah. roller coaster. <laughs> or if you think it's not fun, you should also donate. Yeah. Um, if you think, you should donate. Givenow.com.au/slash/save-sin. So a round of happy birthday to the Opera House, which turns fifty today. Wow. wow. Very exciting. Happy birthday. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So it turns fifty today, but um, and that's very exciting. But the um, thing that I wanted to talk about is that uh, since about 1988, they've had floodlight designs on it, and they were a bit dodgy back then. Apparently, oh, like the they projection. Were, yeah, that they put so they the they like had yeah. these floodlights, and there'd be shadows, but they put them up for the bicentennial um, celebrations, and then they workshopped them until we've got the like beautiful paint-like coverage that we've got today, um, and they're put up for like. Um, like cancer awareness, health awareness days, um, significant Australians to commemorate them, like Olivia Newton-John. It was, it, it was lit up with the face of Queen Elizabeth when she passed. Um, but in the last decade, we've had so we've had more than three hundred instances of them lighting up, and they've become more and more political. There have been, um, particularly recently, more. Um, political, so whether it's a country's flag, it's usually is a country's flag, to um, indicate solidarity. Um, we had in 2019 
they were lit up in solidarity of the Christchurch massacre in New Zealand. And in 2015, they were lit up to commemorate the 130 people who died in Paris. And in, oh, in the Charlie Hebdo. Yeah. And in... Talking about that in French. Sorry, that's not a laughing matter, actually. That's um, quite bad. In February this year and last year, they lit it up with the blue and yellow of the Ukraine flag. But on, I believe it was Monday, they lit it up with the blue and white of the Israel flag. And um, a Palestine protest got permission from Sydney police to move their protest out the front of the Sydney Opera House. And that has happened in the past. There have been protests out the front saying, um, I think the quote was, um, I've got it here. It's like, sorry, I'm just going to move on the notes. Um, It's... I can't find where I put it, but it's the question of who's... Oh, yeah, sorry, they chanted, it's our house. This wasn't the protest on Monday, but they have in the past chanted, it's our house. Um, and that question sort of been coming around, whose house is it if, if they can pick a side? And government is allowed to request um, it to be lit up. And it wasn't lit up for the coronation. And um, Chris Minns, Premier of New South Wales, had said um, he thinks it's being lit up too often. Uh, and he said, I want to make it clear, I think... The Opera House is for Australia and Australians and for important events and achievements and international events where Australia needs to protect solidarity with another country. So he was more in favour of, of, of it being lit up less um, because they've found it's increased. Um, and so I really just wanted to ask, is it appropriate for a landmark like the Eiffel Tower and Lady Liberty and in this case the Opera House to be lit up choosing, quote-unquote, a side of, um, of a, a debate or a political stick um and what would you like it lit up for (laughs) (laughs) this house has got so much drama i'm interested in who gets to have the final say yeah do you know i believe it's the committee who run the opera house because there there is money put in there like there was talk i think chris minns was talking about it actually costs a lot to keep the lights up like it's Mm. a massive system brady's got photos up and they're just like they do a spectacular yeah, job yeah. of it. It's oh, it's gorgeous. beautiful, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I looked up, I was wondering, like, if it was lit up for the Matildas, and it was. Mm. Oh, yeah. that yeah, lit that up for sporting yeah. events. Yeah. I think, like, you can always, like, that, that's not a controversial, like, yeah, no, go to the Tillies. So, yeah, like, like it's... Because Flinders Street is not lit up as much as the Opera House, but they did light it up for that, and I'm yeah. trying to think of other things that Flinders Street has been lit up for. It was Because we don't purple. have something quite like that. But I can't remember what Purple for Prince? Like, a little... When Prince died? We get it lit up in blue and white for, like, the Police Remembrance Day, I guess. What about Anzac Day? I'm sure it's lit up something. Probably. The Opera House gets lit up for... Um, New South Wales Police. Yeah. Um, I think it really... I don't think you can say, like, a blanket yes or no on a certain, yeah. like, category. I think it's yeah. it's it's kind of case by case. Like, I think um, it's valid to light it up for political No, ab- absolutely. But I think it also depends, because I guess, like, in the most recent case of, like, yeah, the conflict with one. Israel and yeah. Palestine, I think it's not a black and white issue. Yeah, I don't think that was appropriate. I also think it's not appropriate when you have people of, from there living in Australia. Mm. Yeah. Like, I think that makes a huge difference. Yeah, like, like with the Paris thing, there probably wasn't too many Parisians living in Australia, and that yeah. also was way less, like... Well, the Charlie like, thing was attack on journalism more than, like, but do you yeah, probably wasn't a good example. But do you yeah. get what I'm trying to say? Like, it's more... I feel it's like personal. it's, like... Yeah. It's and, like, like yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. so I think it's sort of case by case, you know? It's, yeah. You can't say, like, no to all political things or yes to all political things because, like, yeah, yeah it yeah. really depends. I think it's reasonable to say it should be more Australian than overseas-focused. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'd agree with that. Because yeah. it is such an icon of Australian, you know, cultural life. Like, I think that's fair enough. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. yeah. But, um, but I guess since we are such a multicultural country, the argument can be made that a lot of international affairs yeah. are relevant to us and but that would justify lighting it up but I feel like that's point. why i think it's so controversial yeah, yeah absolutely i think especially yeah the most recent instance i think because i think to be australian and seeing that for some people would be really upsetting mm, for a for a palestinian yeah um mm. or adjacent sort of nationality yeah. you'd feel pretty betrayed by your country yeah. i feel like yeah. especially because i think like we were discussing Hamas is not Palestine, Palestine is not Hamas. Mm. So, yeah. Um, I did see something as for what I would like to see it lit up for uh, in 2018. <laughs> what was it? Okay, what? I said, what was it? Oh, okay. Um, I, I, I'm getting very sus looks. In, <laughs> yeah, I'm excited in, to hear. In 2018, um, the chaser lit it up with Alan Jones's phone number. <laughs> I, I, I'd like to complete the Sky News roster. Oh. And just let's get everyone's up there. That's funny. I th yeah, it said um, it said advertise here. Call Alan with his phone number. I think it should be like, can, do you think they can project videos? Yeah, surely. I think. You I can. think like yeah, at surely. the end of each year there should be like a highlights reel, a compilation. Oh, that's cute. Oh, that'd be good. Like you know, I'm thinking of like those funny Michaela Cash videos where she runs along with a whiteboard, like. <laughs> you, <laughs> know, <laughs> you know what I mean? I just put like yeah. a YouTube rewind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that would be quite funny. I think they should put our show up there. Yeah, take yeah. a oh, put us live. Yeah. On the yeah. live stream on the yeah. Opera House. That would be so cool. For yeah. our final show, if Sin goes under. <laughs> <laughs> they, they should do, like, if they want to make it really nationalistic, like, every time Australia has, like, a summit with China, we just put, like, the Australian flag. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, maybe we should, if, like, oh, it could be, like, a live Where is Anthony Albanese, yeah. Where is the Prime Minister, and, yes. like, you could put, you know, a picture of Beijing, if he's in Beijing, or a picture of Washington. Yeah. If <laughs> yeah. Or I think it could it be someone else, like, where is Robert Irwin or something, I don't know. <laughs> if they could do videos, I think it would have been really smart to put, like, the Matildas games up there. Yeah. Oh, so, I, yeah. so part of me makes me think, like, if they could do videos... Yeah, why not? Maybe they so should... Maybe they would have done on that. All the peaks, yeah. But I guess it's also more like a symbolic thing, I guess. Yeah. Like, well, they, they had yeah. such an issue, like, the... Like, in the previous, like, Women's and Men's World Cups in Sydney, like, in, in Melbourne, it was kind of cultivated where they had a federation square, but all the yeah. other cities didn't have it. So maybe yeah. it could be a solution to it. That, that'd be good. But I guess, yeah. like, you know, it's hard to watch them on the Opera House. It's also hard to watch when there's flares everywhere. Yeah. So, I mean... Yeah. <laughs> there's no winning. There's no winning. <laughs> all right. Well, let's wrap up because there are people who want to come sports in. Sports desk is up next, guys. Yeah. You know, for those sports politics nerds out Which there, we were just talking about. Thousands of you. Um, if you want to listen back to the show, we're everywhere, you know, podcast wherever. All good podcast platforms. Yes. Um, Look up Represent Sin. Yes. Uh, what else? Our social medias, Sin Represent, uh, on Instagram, Twitter, and Threads. I've posted on all three of those today. Ooh. Go me. Go um, <laughs> And donate to Sin. Uh, givenow.com.au forward slash... Uh, what is it? Save, Save Sin. S-Y-N for Sin. I don't know, but I don't think that's quite right. <laughs> all right. Uh, you have been listening to Represent. 
Uh, we will be back next, yeah. on Tuesday at 5 p.m. For a very special interview. Get yes. hyped. Get excited. And All right. I remember to stay, stay political. You've been listening to a Sin Media podcast where young people run the show. <laughs>